everybody and welcome to the DMs Book Club, a motley place where you can find all kinds of ideas, books and thoughts to help the mind of the DM attempt to tackle that most evil thing, the player. They're <laughs> going to get you. They're out to get you. You need to be prepared. Actually, that's a total lie. It's generally very good fun. My name is Ryan and it is a pleasure to be here with my colleague, Thee. Hey, Owner. it's me. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're doing we're doing that, are we? Great. Great. How are you? You're right. I'm, I'm good. That's possibly the best opening we've ever had. I like that. I feel like oh. my normal my normal go to one is now rubbish as a result. Oh, I I'm sorry. I I shall be terrible from now on. That's clearly what needs to happen. Not true. Not true. I Have really you well. had a good week? You're I, doing good. I am doing well. I was just saying it, saying to you that with the uh, the way because I, I now have a new setup in the sense of like I realise I can use my big screen for gaming for actually looking and doing zoom calls so i have a bit more space but unfortunately it means anything i have on the actual laptop uh, anything that's white like lights me up and so i look like a like an evil crone dressed yep. in my dressing gown and looking very ill at this time in the morning but otherwise yep. i'm doing all right <laughs> <laughs> i have exactly the same problem so we we do a lot of when, when we play DD on a monday um i have this terrible little webcam on my laptop that's from like six years ago and it's really really bad but i don't use a, a computer monitor i have a, a an old TV monitor that I use as my second screen. And that gives a really blue light. So you can you can see it on my face because we've got cameras that we can sort of see each other when we're talking. But I've for the last couple of years have been lit in this sort of horrible blue bathing, even though the screen looks white to my left. It's just mm. the worst, it's the worst light. It is absolutely awful. So yeah, it's uh, one of those things where like I've now because I'm very much I'm I'm a big fan of dark mode and everything, mostly because it just dims the light a little bit. But yeah, anytime I go, I'll just check something up and it just bright light and I, yeah. I feel like a vampire about to like explode through sunlight so you see my brain is riddled with migraines quite a lot and i don't know if this is just a visual thing that comes with that but do you have the problem with because i love dark mode mm. but have you ever had the thing where you read long text long huge sort of passages of text on dark mode so black background and then white writing mm -hmm. and then you'll look at something normal and that writing will have <laughs> lines in your vision in really really weird ways like it's the weirdest visual effect it's a bit like on a on a sort of slightly bright day walking past like a metal fence at speed and watching mm -hmm. it like light oh. up you could always just lie to yourself and say like you now see secret messages in the air uh, that's definitely not damaging your eyes or anything like that you, you don't uh, well, I mean, <laughs> only when I choose to. I ignore. I ignore quite a lot of the messages. They tell me to do things. Uh. <laughs> what topic have you got prepared for us this week? So, Ryan, we looked a lot at Tasha's last week, which is very exciting. New book, new year, etc. Um, one thing that's come up in the last year or so in D and D um, on the community is that lots of people love playing and love playing with groups of people, but for various reasons we can't do that now and a lot of people are discovering the the game but maybe having a hard time at convincing more people to play so they may be just by themselves or maybe just two people and you're like well can one gm and a player actually do do a campaign or do an adventure and spoilers you can um but mm -hmm. if you if they feel a bit uncomfortable because it's a you know they don't want it to be all about them or they, they feel like uh, yeah it's a little bit too much if it's just a one-on-one -on -one session because it can be quite intense i'm sure it's been a thing for a long time but i think they've now wizards have now sort of enshrined it into their books the idea of a sidekick so that when you're 
running adventures for parties of like two or less um, that you can have another character, an NPC or a minor character that can help and do certain things, but not necessarily take the focus away from the player character. And I thought it was quite an interesting thing because now beforehand, I'm sure what you normally do, Ryan, and what I would normally do is when I make a, a minor character to appear and be essentially quest help, I just create them as a character using the the D&D step-by-step guide and using D&D Beyond, etc. So I was like, oh, easy enough. But maybe then that takes away the power from the, the players, you know, because it's just, oh, it's just the GM playing a character. Mm. This These rules help sort of simplify the process so you can make a character a sidekick within five minutes and it's not necessarily as powerful as the main players and I thought it was just quite interesting to see that and a different way of, of looking at minor characters that become members of the party so I thought yeah. why, not, why not check that out exactly You're, you've, you've got it spot on minor characters have always been that really weird and difficult space where you don't want to make them as powerful as player characters, because if they are, you feel like you're taking away somehow from the player character's experience. And a lot of the, the PC skills that come with a class like rogue or wizard or whatever it is, are deliberately designed to be very powerful and independent because your character is an independent being of, of some import. Like you're, you're supposed to be able to go into the world and do these amazing things. And sometimes that works on your NPCs, but other times you find yourself in a battle where you're fighting, your characters are doing something, and your NPCs are stronger than your characters, and you feel like they're just sort of coming along for the ride, and the DM is just playing a big game with himself mm. and or, or herself and, and just sort of sat there going... You know, you guys are all invited along to the DM show here. Um, so I, I do get that. But but sometimes looking at the some of the monsters and default skins of monsters in, in the Monster Manual and the DM's book, they're not particularly helpful. They don't give much flavor. They're a bit vague. They're a bit, a bit sort of loose. So, mm. yeah, this, this, is, this is a really cool topic, actually, being able to fill in that middle ground of turning you know, being able to build a nice sidekick. And the one thing I thought about was, so you know that phenomenon where you run a group campaign or a story, and it doesn't matter what you do, the characters will seize on an NPC as their favorite thing, even though they have no relevance to the story whatsoever, the Bob the guard sort of thing, where they go, I want to know more about Bob. Bob can come with us. You come, and as a DM, you're like, I'm sorry, what? These <laughs> rules are the perfect antidote to that. And that's, that's. I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's triggered a memory. Did we have a guard at, um, oh, I couldn't say, a grot is where our first ever campaign. And we there was a guard that went missing. And we kept checking in with him, like saying, have they found him? No. And obviously yep. he'd been killed ages ago or, or something like that. But we're like, oh shit, something's gone down. We need to go find him. And you're like, no, you got a whole story over here. Go, go look. <laughs> but yeah, it's exactly that. And the other thing I did thought was quite interesting uh, before we go into like, how do you create a sidekick? Is that there's a little bit at the beginning which talks about like who plays the sidekick? Is it the GM? Or is it a player who plays them as a second character when there's only one or two of them? Or is it a player who just plays it as their only character as a sort of simple introduction? Or if they find like, if they want to play a spellcaster, but you know, spells are just too much for them. You know, it's, it's a nice way to simplify it down. Like, I thought that was quite interesting because again maybe it's aimed at kids perhaps who are just getting into D&D &D or getting into role playing games even though we all know as soon as 
any child or any person gets obsessed with something, they learn everything about it and can easily handle it. But I guess it's maybe an introduction to maybe partners or relations that are keen or have an interest from afar, but they're like, oh, maths or the uh, role play, et cetera, mm. where it just simplifies that whole process down. I thought that was actually quite a nice thing to include and just be like, hey, some people don't like playing really complicated characters. If they only have one or two things, that's totally fine. Here's a way to do it. And I thought yeah. that was pretty, pretty cool as a result. I hadn't really thought about the interaction with actually playing them as your sole character until I read this. I very much saw the word sidekick and thought, oh, well, this is, these are the additions to the party. But you're right. There's some of the ways that these things are built are exceedingly simple, but not just simple. They play the, the support role really well. There's somebody who may not want to be that front-facing person in which the decisions of the group get sort of orientated around and mm-hmm. maybe they want to play a more background role. And I mean, this works perfectly for that. As well as that, process is very similar to actually making a character. So when you introduce them, they are going to be at the same level as what the group's at. So if you're all at level one, then the uh, the psychic will also be at level one. And as they level up, they level up in, at the same time. And you treat them, I thought it was really important, you treat them as an actual character when you're accounting for encounters. I think that's quite important because it's very easy to dismiss minor characters and stuff because uh, there's definitely books I've read where they've gone oh it's cool to have more sidekicks or, or minor characters who join the party but they do the fighting off screen they take maybe one horde away from the possible four hordes and they are fighting off screen and they're you know at the beginning of each turn you hear more fighting as, as your psychic does that maybe the reason I was a bit dismissive at first is that at the top uh, when it says creating a sidekick uh, it says any type of creature that's got a stat block in the monster manual or other D&D book but it has to be a challenge rating of a half or below mm. so that instantly gets rid of all your your big ass dragons that you happen to like you want to play as a sidekick or anything yeah. like that yeah I had a look purely from the monster manual what kind of characters could you get so you could get flumps as sidekicks which I thought would be quite fun all the modrons which I thought was great mm-hmm. uh, troglodyte uh, troglodyte sorry arakokra kenku and what's the other one I saw Oh, yeah. Psychic Grey Ooze as a psychic. Mm. I mean, of course. Why not? <laughs> Why would you not have a Psychic Grey Ooze as your... Uh, I mean, honestly. <laughs> the other one I did see, that I thought, actually, that could be quite interesting. It was just a... It's called The Crawling Claw, which essentially is a dead man's hand that's been cut off at thing. And it's very... Uh, uh. So having that as an almost like thing from Adam's family being trained up to be a psychic and it won't have and i think if you were trying to get a creature like that but then you're like oh doing it as a full-fledged step-by-step player character and then using it as a psychic you'd miss out on so much because it wouldn't be it couldn't be necessarily a fighter per se he doesn't have mm-hmm. two-handed weaponry because he's only got one hand etc whereas this process accommodates for any kind of creature uh certainly the two different classes there's, sorry there's three classes but two of them the only requirement is that they have to speak a language one requires no language at all, which I thought was quite interesting. And that is the, the fighter one. Yeah. But yeah, it's a nice little like, ooh, what could you do that's, that is something that doesn't take away from the players, but it's also something that's unique and creative that's, yeah, that's not as powerful as the players, essentially. It is really awesome. How would we get started? If we want to bring a side click into the campaign, mm-hmm. where would you say that, where's, where's step one? Step one. So there is requirements and i say requirements in sort of quotation marks there where it can be incorporated at the beginning 
when you're putting the group together. So if you've only got two players or maybe one player and maybe another thing, if, if someone can't make it to a session that you just always have at least a minimum of three people that one is a sidekick as a sort of default. So that'd be quite cool. To join the adventurers, they must be a friend of at least one of them. Now I feel friend is... <laughs> Like, how do we define friend in here? It's one that they either they know from my mid childhood or there is a couple of events that means they are forced together. Now, we've been in situations where we've played adventures and stuff and then suddenly someone else comes along for the ride, but maybe unwillingly or has been put there because it's their duty to. A couple of things I can mention, like we've been sponsored as a group to go and do adventures and stuff. And as a result, someone comes along to make sure we're actually doing what we're doing and not taking time off. Wouldn't necessarily call them a friend, mm. uh, more business colleagues or acquaintance, but I guess it's basically making, there is some link between this person and the party and whether you make it as a friendship one or not. I would call it more like a, um, a relationship or make it a bit more broader than friendship because I'm sure people would just be like, God, I hate Bob. God, he's always <laughs> hanging around, always takes the kill, blah, 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 blah. But then you're really nice to them because obviously they, they help heal you and stuff. So mm. I think that's an interesting requirement that they have to at least know who this person is. And they're not just all signed up and it's, it's just a random adventure. There has to be some connection to make sure that, I guess, that the players actually care about this character being part mm. of the party. And also you can have it later on, introducing them later to characters and stuff, but there's no, it, there's no real when or where. It's just got to be a moment where they're like, ah, you know this person. It's an expectation that a sidekick is around for a longer period of time. Like, it's not essential. It, it, it doesn't need to be, but that I think would be the difference between, as I say, somebody following you to make sure a quest is done or like a, like a patron of some kind mm. compared to a sidekick, which is, as you say, somebody that's got the reason to be actually traveling with you as a member of the party. That's, that's kind of effectively what we're doing here. These are characters for purposes of the DM making encounters and planning an adventuring day. And because of that, a sidekick kind of is more intrinsically connected to the group as mm. yeah maybe think about it like this as a reason the sidekick would be traveling with the party beyond monetary gain mm. monetary gain could be a factor but there's something that makes it like a little bit different than that being able to have that flavor i think is really important because otherwise why would you care about this character would you help them if they went down in battle because they are if you look at it they are treated exactly the same so like they gain hit points and have hit die when they level up they mark death saves like a player would they get bonus increases they get ability score increases you know they are just a simplified version of a player so being able to have that emotional connection to them will add to the story but again i know there are some uh, dms again this is before tasha's came out who used to just have um, like a dwarven cleric as the heal bot and was wander around and if it's just one player or something there's all they would do is just heal uh, the character so that they back up and it's just like oh, it's just to help you know so that they actually get a few hits in and there's not too much danger and i was like oh where's the fun in that you know you're just like oh it's an automatic thing but I mean, hey, other people play differently. But I thought, yeah, having a sidekick that could be similar but different was pretty, pretty cool. So when a sidekick joins the party, you mentioned that they start at the same level as mm. the party do, or the average level of the party. So they, they scale to an extent. And am I right in thinking they level up along with the party as well? So the longer they're with them, they do trek upwards and get more powerful? Yes. Um, and this is where I can't exactly remember if they gain... Like if you were doing it by experience, if they take that experience as well, or you still div it up with the other party members and then they just happen to level up at the same time. So you're not having to worry about it. I think it's more about when you're creating encounters and stuff, you have to treat them as if they are a player character. So instead of 
uh, four level one characters, it's actually five level one characters, just yeah. to help with the things, which I think is quite important. So you are giving them that um, that weight. Again, not that they're going to necessarily get the killing blow or the final spell off, but it's, it is just be like, oh, you need to accommodate for this because there is really another person that is having a go. Whether or not it's the same to the same effect is a different matter, but you just need yeah. to account for that when you're doing that. Exactly. It follows the average level of the group. So if it, as players level up, if they are not the same level, once the average goes above the certain point, the sidekick will then level up. So it mm. kind of tracks right in the middle of the group. I don't remember whether it's rounding up or down. I'm sure you could come to a rule on that one. But Usually in d d it's always rounding down, which always is, makes me it? sad. Yeah, so yeah. That, that probably sounds about right. So yeah, it will, it will sort of track in that way. Mm. But, and this is the thing that, I, probably is the most difficult thing to get your head around mechanically because it's very similar to the rules. There are rules in D&D about putting player classes on monsters and how it's not the same in the way of hit points and proficiencies and, and things like that. It's You don't just, for instance, if you've got a dragon that is a cleric, you don't just add cleric levels to a dragon and, and that's what it is. You have to, it's a weird assortment of messing around between the two rules and, and the sidekick rules kind of they follow that a little bit don't they because mm. when you get a sidekick there are levels in it so you actually level up the sidekick levels but the hit points there's not like a sidekick hit dice you use the monsters hit dice and and, and run it that way effectively We've definitely seen builds you and I like post in our group when they've gone, oh, look at this ranger, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, why? Oh, it's because it's an ancient white dragon. Why has that been made? It's because people can. Yeah, I think that whole hit point thing, hit die thing, getting it related to, sorry, words are not my strong point just now. <laughs> Having the hit die related to the monster race rather than the class, which is obviously the same for when you do player stuff, I think that is important because they, they aren't... Uh, Sorry, I've completely lost my train of thought. I agree with you completely, Ryan. We'll take that risk now. Yes, yes. It, 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 mechanically, it, so for instance, um, the best examples you can have is if you took a character, like a, like a monster, for instance, that was a young dragon that had 12 D6 hit points. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're using D6 hit points, but you give them fighter levels. They don't get D10s. They get extra D6s. So you follow the monster hit dice and that's how sidekicks work. Whatever monster track or whatever stat block you were using to make the sidekick that's got to be half challenge rating or lower, don't forget that. So you're not going to do crazy ones. But if they've got D4s as hit dice, you use D4s. If they've got mm. D6s, you use D6s. So you, you're not using bigger things. So because of that, you'll find a sidekick probably has quite a lot of health at the beginning and they don't have as much health later on. It's mm. it's definitely not the same crazy progression as like a barbarian's health, for instance. They're yeah. much more like a sort of wizard or, or sorcerer. So they're never going to be frontline, but they'll be useful, especially earlier in the game. I get the sense they're, they're more useful than, than later in the game, for instance. Proficiency bonus is another thing that changes because you ignore the, the stat block proficiency and you, you replace it with the proficiency of whatever level your party is. So that's easy enough to remember. It just tracks with the average level of the group. And they get ability score increases as well. So yeah. they feel very, very like party-like. I guess there's no rule in it that says you can choose to have a feat instead. Because that's ugh, words. My goodness, I'm so bad today. So that's the thing with players. You can choose to either take the ability score increase or take a feat. And I think for sidekicks, it's definitely saying, oh no, they definitely take the ability score increase. Because I think as soon as you start adding feats into this, 
they definitely become more player-like because some feats are very, very useful, like the lucky feat, obviously re-rolling uh, dice and taking the higher roll or taking the, the more chosen roll, uh, getting s- more spells and stuff. Uh, if you add that to psychic, then it gets to a point where that could get quite broken. So I quite like how, from what I can see, again, it's where I'm going to look back at it and he says, like, you can use feats as soon as I look down, probably. <laughs> but I quite like that it, it is, again, it's straightforward and you don't, again, if it's a player who is worried about it getting really complicated or anything, I say, oh no, you just add two to a, a score of your choice, maybe this one, and that's it. And I yeah. think, yeah, make it simple. Absolutely. And I, yeah, it, it's the curse of the player character NPC. If you as a DM, you make NPCs that join the party that are full player characters, the level of complexity that you've got to think about gets infinitely more complicated because player characters are... Actually, this is the biggest difference, I think, between player characters and sidekicks. Mm-hmm. Player characters are really complicated, even the easiest classes with the least to think about, like a fighter, for instance, or, or a rogue, or the, you know, the, the basic combat classes, there are lots of different things you can do. There are different skills, different actions, different types of things that you've got to think about. Mm-hmm. And monsters are deliberately not given that level of complexity because a DM has got so much to think about. If you throw in lots and lots of feats into that mix with your sidekicks, mm-hmm. you're going to get that thing where you will forget what they can do. It will happen. So keep it simple, I think, is probably the the biggest thing. You don't have to. If you want to give them the chef feat from last episode, uh, you want to take whatever it is, brutal critical or savage attacker or whatever it might be. Great weapon master, for instance. Mm. That's fine. You can do that. But you will forget about it. So, (laughs) Well, I guess unless you give it to the players. Maybe if if you're giving it responsibility to the players and it's not so not so bad. It gets it gets to that point and go, I see this is on my sheet. What is brutal critical? Oh. (laughs) And but again, it happens way after the fact. And you go, Oh, I'll remember that next time. And then it never happens from and again, from own experience there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think the sidekicks are, are to kind of simplify a little bit. And if you put in feats, then you're kind of going against that, maybe. The other thing I'd say as well, again, I know we'll go into like all the different types of psychic you can have because there's three different classes, as it were. But what is cool is that I guess if you had a player who was playing a psychic and was like, actually, I'm really enjoying this. Can I make it a full character? It feels very straightforward, I think, because again, it's, it's only simple to a bit more complex. So you, again, we'll go into it, but you can just pick the class and then match it up with what you need and then add the extras. I think it could be quite hard as a player character to go down into a psychic class. Um, just because yeah, psychics again, just, are yeah. useful, yeah, but they're, they're accompanying players, aren't they? They're not. Mm. They're not full-fledged PCs. The scaling isn't quite that. Although there are some very useful things, but they're, they're designed to make players better rather than as full-fledged things themselves. Although they are, I mean, obviously they're they're capable. Enough. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. It, you going one way is easier than than mm. the other. When we're thinking about matching things up, I guess we need to know about the three different types. So what sort of sidekicks can you get? So there are three different types. You have expert, spellcasters, and warrior. And it's interesting because obviously spellcasters, you instantly go, ah, yes, it's a class that can spellcast. So it's your your bards, your clerics, your druids, uh, your warlocks, your wizards, etc. Those are sort of all encompassed there. And then you have expert. And I quite like the expert sort of uh, little description. So it says, the expert is a master of certain tasks or knowledge, favoring cunning over brawn. And then with all these classes, they give examples. So you could be a scout, 
a musician, a librarian, a clever street kid, a wily merchant or a burglar. And instantly, <laughs> he has a whole range of career paths there that aren't traditionally combat. And I think that's the other thing we've, we've always discussed. It's like when you're a player, you're like, oh, you will have some competency, ooh, words, uh, for mm. fighting or, or having combat. Somewhere. Whether that is just pure spells or, or pure things. Here, you can have a minor character who's main for for oh lord whose main goal is not fighting it's not going out doing the dungeoneering or stuff like that they literally could be a librarian who's been escorted by the players but can help with some knowledge like they've got certain skills and they can do the research and stuff they've got the flavor maybe another way to give sort of uh, information or quest help in a way which i thought yeah. was really good I, I i was trying not to use the phrase quest help because this is the oh, chapter on making fiona special quest helps for her campaigns the amount of times like oh sally who knows the quest has appeared and observes the rug that is displaced over the trapdoor and you're thinking uh yeah here we go thanks here we quest go help. thank you quest That's help great. you were clearly <laughs> taking too long on that point but you're right like if players are designed to be adventurers sidekicks are designed to pull anyone into an adventuring setting and to kind of be able to cope with it but you're right these are professions that aren't necessarily adventurers to the best sense of the word there was a moment when I was like, oh, musician, mm, bards. But actually, I, maybe this is maybe a silly realisation that not all musicians are magical bards. That's true. It's because we, we just because we just travel with one. And so everything I assume is magical is, is music related in some way. But yeah, I like the idea that a musician could be a part of it, but doesn't have the spells. And it's just like, uh, I'll just play and distract and, and do something else and, and be able to help in the sense of like they can do sort of a sort of damage so looking at the expert itself before we go on, on to the other two they have the most in terms of features with you know it goes all the way up to level 20 each of these classes have the sort of the level table so you have a quick look and see oh yeah proficiency bonus is this and this is the feature you get at each level and with the expert you get nine i believe uh, special ones so you have stuff like helpful which means you can use help as a bonus action instead of an action mm. cunning action so again very similar to the rogue stuff where you can do uh, dash dodge disarm etc uh, expertise where you know you get very good at your certain skills uh, coordinated strike was quite a fun one i thought mm -hmm. she says turning over uh, so you're able to fight uh, you know helping an ally up to 30 feet away and you can deal some extra damage as a result again a bit sort of like um oh what's it called it's not advantage Words again are not my strong. This is what this episode's gonna be called. It's words is not Fiona strong point. Like a, like a sneak track, streaking strike. Yeah, it's, it's like a sneak. Yeah, like a sneaking a sneak attack. attack. So that's what they, I'm looking for. Right, we're both. Oh god. Okay, it's a sneak attack. <laughs> yeah, being able to coordinate, seeing where like uh, if in combat the the target is weakened in some way, and you can just help the, dealing that extra little bit of damage is good. And then you have evasion, so you're very good at dodging out the way, like those those damn rogues as well. Mm -hmm. An expert when you read down the list. They are watered down versions of rogues Yes, that are all about helping skills, staying alive, assisting the party. They've taken out the sneak strike or the sneak attack. Um, mm. Again, I'm using my words as good. The sneak attack is gone, yeah. but in its place is a lot of things that help the party. So getting an expert into the thick of it, you'll find that the players have advantage on attacks a lot, that the mm -hmm. expert can do a lot of damage when ganging up. They're not very good by themselves, but no. they do have a lot of skills that help everybody else. They're kind of like a weird mix between the useful, helpful, skilly bits of the bard and a rogue. 
and the attacking nature of a rogue, except it's helping rather than doing damage itself. Yeah. So again, if you were a melee combat or uh, you were someone that was actually in the thick of it, having an expert alongside you would be very, very useful, but having an expert leading the line, not necessarily not so then going on to like the spellcaster so again this is the one that does have magic class so a sidekick who becomes a spellcaster walks the paths of magic uh, they might be a hedge wizard a priest a soothsayer a magical performer or a person with magic in their veins so i quite like again the flavor of this being able to have people who aren't necessarily a wizard apprentice or maybe can control their magic in some way uh getting to maybe the wild magic element as well but someone who's literally just starting out with their muted powers, I guess. Mm. Um, this class is, I say, the most complicated out of the, the three because it, it goes right, okay, so you're a spellcaster. What role is it? Are you a mage, healer, or prodigy? And that mm. just helps limit down, like, okay, you are a mage, so you're probably going to be a wizard of some sort, so you're gonna, your ability is going to be more intelligence-based, you're going to be a bit more booksy compared to, say, the healer, which is our, our looks at the spell lists of cleric and druid, and your ability is wisdom. And then prodigy is, uh, you know, bard and warlock and it's charisma so it just again it's like it just narrows it down a little bit more here is interesting you only get like six features in this class presumably to mm. balance having these spells or having spells because that's the other thing you'd have to pick what spells they had as well and what is known and stuff like yeah. you would do as a, as a player character but i thought it compared to the expert which has a lot more to remember here with spellcasting, it's reduced down to just literally uh, potent cantrips, empowered spells, and focus casting, and, and that sort of yeah. thing. I thought that's really good. This entire build is to simplify, to be useful, but to take all of the rules out of spellcasting. So whilst you can make, as you say, a wizard, a cleric, a druid, a bard, or a warlock, any of those spell lists, you can use any ability. Some rules are consistent and they're applied and, and some rules are totally abandoned. So there is no such thing as ritual casting. That's not a thing that these people can do. There's no such thing as preparing your spells every day. They all have spells known. So very much like a sorcerer or a bard. Mm -hmm. And the spells known is terrifyingly small. So if you were running a third level beginning campaign, your person, your spellcaster only knows three spells. Yeah. Level one, they know one spell and it only ever goes up to 11 spells. So again, you can see that this is, they're trying to build a character who is very situationally useful at what they do, mm -hmm. but doesn't have enough complexity to make you forget about all of those spells. And it is only a half spellcaster as well. So mm. you only go up to fifth level here, not all the way up to ninth. So they're never going to be terrifyingly powerful. If you emerge in third level combat, sorry, in ninth level, then they can chuck fireballs. That's great. But they're never going to be chucking chain lightning or mass suggestions at, at, at the enemy because they're never going to get that, that high. So... Mm -hmm. I have to say, out of all of them, whilst I think the expert's the most fun, I like the simplicity of the spellcaster. It feels very, it's very simple. As you say, the, the potent cantrips, the empowered spells, all of these features basically just say, whatever you're doing, it's a little bit better. Yeah. It doesn't add more rules. It doesn't add more complexity. It's just like, oh, you're rolling cantrip damage? Okay, add a bit more damage. It's yeah. fine. It's, it's so straightforward. And then, again, if you ever got your psychic up to uh, 12th, le uh, 12th level, if you ever got your psychic up to 20th level, they have something called focus casting, which is taking damage doesn't break their concentration on the spell. And I was like, oh, that would be amazing as a player character. I know there are feats and stuff like that, but obviously it's so <laughs> high level. And that's yeah. just great. So that, and again, like you said, there's not necessarily high powered, like, like you said, chain lightning or mass suggestion, but the idea that they can just, okay, we're going to do a witch bolt, uh, keep going, and then you never lose it. And they're always constantly doing 
doing damage as a result of yeah. El Nino bonus action. It's, it's such a cool thing. And yeah, as someone who really struggles with spellcasting things, I tried Wizard, I loved it, but I also hated it. This would be one I would suggest if people were keen on doing trying out as thing. Maybe I'd try it out with this for a session or two to see if they enjoyed it, getting yeah. their heads around the spell stuff, and then like, okay, let's add the complexity in. It is a really nice way of getting into spellcasting. It's not, yeah, as you say, there's no features. I mean, it's terrifying when you look at playing a druid or a cleric for the first time and you're like, you've got all these things, you've got all these domain features, you've got all of these wild shaping, you've got all of these, everything that chucks in. And then you say, oh, and by the way, when you long rest, you get to pick from the spell list again. And you think, oh, no. <laughs> so much to do. None of that with this. Finally, you have Warrior, which is, the, again, the sort of fighter archetype. And what's interesting about this one is that at level one, you have the martial role. So you, again, just as with a spellcaster, where you could pick sort of three sort of career paths, here you can choose whether they are more of an attacking fighter type or more of a defending one, which again, I was like, oh, actually, that's quite cool. So again, not only do you have that flavor stuff, but also like you can judge where, okay, this is to help the main characters being able to fight more if I defend so that they mm. have an extra chance to it rather than if they are majority spellcasters or ranged, I can go in and attack a bit more. So, and you can balance it from there. And I thought that was just quite a clever thing to actually designate. With the spellcaster, obviously, as soon as you pick, they're going to be a healer. They are sort of dedicated to that path and go down. Here, at least with attacker or defender, there's not any sort of thing that tie into it. Like, oh, you are committed to only defending and only have defending stuff. You can also, you know, it's. I feel like compared to the spellcasting one, it's like, okay, you only have these spells which are flavored in this way. At least when you pick attacker or defender, you're still a fighter but you're yeah. just more better at one of those things. And that term, fighter, is the most important thing because this is basically a watered-down version of a fighter, like slightly less ability score improvements, slightly more improvements to helping rather than just sort of being by yourself. But I would say Warrior probably is the least watered-down out of all of them. It's mm. probably the strongest in terms of the closest it is to the player class because most of these abilities, the extra attack, indomitable second wind all of these things are straight from the fighters character sheet and again it, we've said this before if you want to get into DD and you don't really want to worry about making that first character play a human fighter my mm. goodness it's so easy to get into DD, and you'll see you'll love it immediately because fighters are brilliant i swear by them they're really 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 fun and yeah warriors are really good step up in even into that the big difference is that with fighters, you have those superiority dice, so that extra thing you can, with maneuvers and stuff, and that is taken out of here, which is good, I think, because again, it's that sort of thing where, okay, you get the basics down. If you want to go into fighting, then you've got a few extra little bits and you've got a little more dice rolling on that. But yeah, other than that, you get stuff like second wind, which is always very useful. You know, you you, you take a big breath and you regain hit points, which is always fun. Uh, improved critical, <laughs> extra attack, so they can attack a bit more. Uh, battle readiness, where they get advantage on initiative. Uh, indomitable, as you said, it's a great little feature where you can re-roll a saving throw that fails and you must use the next roll i just yeah it's such a great thing that you can just go no, no. and come back heroic no. power pose and i'll push through it definitely <laughs> and yeah and what's cool again if you're looking at tasha's in the set the book we said this before last episode but there's different illustrations where uh what could you have as someone who is a i don't know a spellcasting psychic or a warrior psychic and i quite like with the warrior one you could just have a dog or a wolf that mm. you get to go and I thought that's really cool you could just have an animal it's because quite a few of these uh, the, the illustrations are humanoid or goblinoid I mean you're like oh yeah I would see a player playing that not just a psychic but now you're like oh an actual wolf 
yeah, I could mm. I could see that being a fighter class or sorry, a warrior. Um, so yeah, and yeah, the Asmar picture is so cool. Yeah, oh, she's so cool. It just proves how much of D and D, and especially fifth edition, is so beautifully simplified, so that everything is gelled together really well. Like a wolf can take warrior sidekick classes and be just as useful as a human guard that was manning the walls of defense and like a town's guard that joins up with you do you know what i mean it's Mm. actually mechanically they are so similar that Mm. you take a wolf it's i think is i can't remember if it's a quarter or a half cr and then you just apply these levels to it and and it doesn't really matter because even if the wolf only has one bite attack suddenly you've replaced its proficiency it's got all of these features Mm. it can I mean, you could take a wolf and make it into an expert and give it the help action so that it's mm. a wolf that actually just it, it, imagine it this way. It runs into battle fearless with more health than a regular wolf because it's just more gritty. It jumps in on someone's arm, makes an attack, takes the help action because it's literally just clinging off the guy's arm or leg, like mm. stopping them from going, oh, get off me sort of thing whilst the other person strikes in. Or maybe it's in. a warrior because it's got a really mean double bite attack. Um mm. Whatever it may be, I do like that. The idea that you could put these levels on anything is really cool. The Grey Ooze has taken me by surprise when you mentioned that before, though, because the idea that you could do that is just horrifying. Yeah, it's, it's just because I was like, oh, let me check what's in the Monster Manual that is half a uh, crit. And again, it, I picked the Monster Manual as everything, but obviously if you, you can use any D&D book. So when I first looked, it was like, oh, Storm King's Thunder, there's all these creatures. And I'm like, ooh, a slight giant type creature. But mm-hmm. again, it would be very, very low level because it's only a half. But yeah, Grey Ooze, gone. A spellcasting flumph. Or what are they called? You know, those gentle yeah. things. Oh, uh, I think I'd be sick because they're so weird. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, could you imagine if there was an expert and they're like, hello, let oh, let me help you. And it's like, no, don't touch me with your tentacles. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine, they're mind tentacles. It's totally cool. The nicer version of mind players. Um, like, don't worry. Oh, we've not invited our cousin. Why are we talking like that gnome from your bloody campaign? <laughs> hello. Hello. Oh, God. Yeah, you leaving Yibrit was the worst thing, just purely because, like, she's gone now. Oh, oh I'm sure we'll find uh, we'll find our version of Gumbo's or Costco, Fantasy Costco, and I'm sure there'll be one <laughs> there'll be one there of, like, is this the same person? Oh, Hello. no, we're very different. <laughs> <laughs> if you were going to pick one of these sidekicks uh, to join, uh, say, say in our campaign now, even though I'd say we're doing pretty well, and... I, I know as from obviously from experience you've made characters with full player stats is there any sort of sidekick stuff here that you'd be like oh i would want to change one of them at all into a sidekick or anything mm. like that yeah because i've never used these sidekick roles i've tended to put player levels on monsters and try and make them sort of push around in that way which is difficult because sometimes sometimes they will be really weak compared to you and sometimes they are very powerful compared to you and it's just about finding that balance because you want to like it's okay to bring a really powerful person into the story that's totally fine but then you've got to make it plot relevant to why you've got a really powerful person on your side because ultimately there are good people and bad people of really high challenge levels that's that's not a problem but Mm -hmm. i think if i were to approach this i'd look at it because it talks about about, I can't remember if it's in this chapter or if it's in a previous or, or separate chapter, but it talks about designing stories for one person, solo mm. adventures and how to go into that. And it talks about how sidekicks are really useful in low player campaigns because you can use them to fill in holes that your party can't necessarily cover. There's certain generic roles that a player can provide. It, it's very much like 
in games like World of Warcraft where you had the tank and the healer and the DPS and other games where you've got different sort of aspects. D&D's always had a, an element of a melee fighter, a ranged fighter, a damage spellcaster or a healer, a skill monkey, a face to the group, so someone who can communicate with things, and then general utility, like a buffer or a spell weaver or whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. And depending on the composition of the group, the less people you have, the less chance there is that there's going to be someone to fill in that hole. So to give an example, our group, would so we run a campaign and we're at 14th level now, and there's a 14th level barbarian, which mm -hmm. is you, you are up front, in the face, ridiculous damage ridiculous health yeah which is great we've got a sixth level paladin eighth level warlock mm -hmm. a hexblade warlock which is an insanely hilarious combo and again melee damage and defense are the two things with a bit of arcane spellcasting and then we have a blade bard or like a blade master bard a bard school of swords with yes. like a tiny dip into sorcerer so again our group is made of three full plate or half plate Mm. melee attackers with abilities that go with that so if i was designing someone for the group normally i'd go right what is this group lacking well we don't need a face because there's two charisma based fighters here mm. they're generally pretty good do we need a skill monkey well there's a bard in the group but no one in this group has decks no one can pick locks no one can do any of this stuff so yeah this was something we'd maybe miss do we have uh, a ranged attacker no and you're all very like close combat orientated and you do most of your damage there. I would approach it like that. So that mm. maybe fling an expert into the group or a mm. warrior with ranged capacity. You don't need spell casting when you've got a full level bard and a warlock in the party. You don't need melee attackers with three of you all with two-handed weapons and whatever. So yeah. I think more from a DM point of view, but actually looking at the the spellcaster and actually working that through as a psychic and then developing a full spellcaster player character just for myself as i've said many times on this i really struggle with spells because again it feels very overwhelming so when our friend sam when he was playing two characters who had very spell-based yeah. things again i was thinking to myself is that something if that's a good question actually if the psychic rules had been out at that time and you'd known about them would you have suggested to our friend sam who was playing two characters at one point which are both very spelly that one of them would have been a psychic definitely would have done i think now that these rules are here and, and it, it seems really clear i would possibly house rule it so that everybody only has one player character unless they told me otherwise if, if the players genuinely come and be like we want to be engaged we want more players that's fine i wouldn't mind that but i would probably use the psychic rules a lot actually because they're really good at keeping things simplified mm -hmm. you could also bring more sidekicks in and have every player has a sidekick in the group and like a slot so you've got your character and then a sidekick of some kind that can sort of help in some way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I I do like them actually, and and keep the player characters for independents who are more story related as separate people. Like mm -hmm. as soon as the sidekicks are expected to just follow the party and be allies to the party, but independents are a bit more like separate things. Yeah, yeah. I I absolutely would have used those rules. I guess for me, when I think of the word psychic, I think of an assistant. And I think I would dread to be that person who goes, because that's the thing, when I had two characters at one point playing, because we had a session, a couple of sessions actually, when we had, two of us were playing two characters. And for me, trying to switch between 
very heavy combat stuff, and then oh, I've got spells. That was such a jarring moment. So maybe yeah, I probably would have gone. Actually, could I have a simplified version of this character? But again, it's like, like I said to you at the beginning, was like it's a bit harder to go from a full player character down to a psychic. So maybe having to remake stuff and only choose certain things. But yeah, I really love this as an option. Yeah, so I think it's it's more saying like, yeah, you can have it for if you've only got a low player count for sure. But actually, if you've just so happened with the story element, you can make it so that, you know, if you've got a few more people that you need to be in the party to face a bigger monster, you can. There is a rule though that says, or not a rule, but it's a suggestion saying you shouldn't have more sidekicks than players because it bogs down a lot. And I was like, yes, <laughs> we know that. <laughs> yeah, although I will admittedly, with maybe the exception of the spellcaster, a lot of these sidekicks are engineered to be quick on a turn basis. Very true. They've got a select feature of skills to, to keep mm-hmm. that problem from happening too much. And it's all about divide and conquering, I think. But you're right, there's an element of, oh, people want to play lots of characters. But if you play lots of characters, the combat scales up and gets more difficult. And mm-hmm. you'll find that combat per round takes half an hour to do a round rather than 10 minutes. So mm-hmm. it's it's amazing how these things slow down. But like mm-hmm. as I say, like having a wolf warrior defender is a very easy thing to be able to do because they could just run in, bite, and that's their turn effectively. So yeah. it's quite nice in that sense. That's psychics. Very, very straightforward, very easy, and definitely an option in your role-playing campaigns. Ryan, is there anything you'd like to plug? Where are you? What's happening? Yes, sidekicks. I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I will have an existential crisis about putting sidekicks into my campaign. And whilst I do that, you can find me. I'm on YouTube. My name is Ursa Ryan. I also have a Discord, the Ursa Ryan Discord. Come and find me and we can chat about D&D and all kinds of things. And you can also find me on this podcast, which I, was, I can't believe we're in a second season. Still, still takes me back that. Yeah, me too. Um, yes, and I am Fiona. I run the What Am I Rolling podcast, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Um, going well. I Inspired a little bit by Ryan, I am looking into and hopefully launching up my own Discord uh, server soon. Soon being the... Uh, yeah, I know. We can actually start plugging people to an actual Discord to this podcast. That would be yeah. cool. Yeah, well, there's a little channel that says DMs Book Club. Whether or not it takes over the rest of the server will be... <laughs> but yes, that will that will happen soon i'm sure i'll need to work on the patreon and all these things uh, once all the editing is out the way but yes that's exciting stuff coming up yes good perfect great well i enjoyed that that was fantastic and oh. you could find us in the next episode where we will be waiting for you so goodbye <laughs> goodbye <laughs> <laughs> see that was a much better outro i'm gonna have to write that down <laughs>